Hello, this is the podcast about combined transport, any kind of transport for that matter, by rail, sea, river and road. This is what Ernest Chermansky and Jakub Jankiewicz will talk about with their guests. Uh, hi, I would like to welcome on the next episode of our podcast, combined podcast. Uh, our today's guest is uh, Christopher from Closer in Coleman Science Park from Sweden. Hi, Christopher. Yes, hello. Uh, Christopher, first of all, I would like to thank you very much for the possibility of uh, sharing the, the, the knowledge, the, um, let's say the point of view from the from Swedish point of view of the combined transport. Uh, before we start uh, the, the, the discussion, uh, could you please shortly introduce yourself and uh, tell us more about your involvement in a combined project? Yes, of course. Uh, so my name is Christopher Huttare, and uh, I'm working as a acting program director at the Swedish collaborations platform for, for increased transport efficiency called Closer. And we are, as the name tells us, a collaborations platform with uh, around 50 partners. Uh, we are hosted by Lindholm Science Park in Kaffenberg, and we also have offices in uh, Stockholm. Um, I'm also involved in the project management of these types of uh, long-distance transport uh, projects that we are running together with our partners. And in this uh, in this aspect, we um, joined the combined project in 2019 as one of the project partners uh, with the aim of, uh, first of all, get more knowledge, of course, uh, that we could uh, implement or um, propose for the Swedish market because we can see that we still are very much reliant on long-distance transport by trucks uh, and we st still have some issues in in, um, in raising the awareness of actually driving uh, more combined transport on the Swedish markets. Um, we also saw, saw a very interesting aspect in this combined product of looking at the Nordic countries, um, especially as we have some other types of uh, um, obstacles compared to Central and Western Europe where where, of course, the export and import flows um, are much larger. And of course, there is a completely other setting for for, um, for shifting to transports. Um, so that was the aim that we had in the beginning of the project. And of course, during the project, we have learned a lot. Uh, we are, of course, trying to, to get even more knowledge to the Swedish and not only the Swedish, but also the Nordic countries, because we can see that we are very much similar in the way of, of uh, the share between uh, conventional truck uh, transport and uh, combined transport. So, uh, so there is a lot of uh, common knowledge that needs to be, be uh, spread across the Nordic countries. So I would say that that, that is the primary focus of, on why we, we joined the combined project, of course. Great. Um, so, when you take a short look on the Swedish combined transport market, um, what is the, the 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 main, let's say, potential? Uh, is there any strategy which is implemented in Sweden to to develop combined transport? Uh, how, if if yes, how it how it was implemented? Is it on a national level or municipal? What aspects do you do you mention when you're talking about the strategy for combined transport in Sweden? Yeah, I would say that we the, the Swedish politicians, of course, they follow very much on the the aims and the ambitions of uh, the European Union. Um, so the same targets as as to shift to to more rail and uh, and sea transport is the same for Sweden. But we also got a national transport strategy. Uh, in a few years ago that was accepted by the politicians, the Swedish government. It gives, uh, it gives the direction, of course, on, uh, that, that we would like to shift more cargo to, to, uh, to rail and sea transport, but it doesn't really showcase how that should be done. So what was uh, then implemented was a couple of uh, governmental assignments to the Swedish Transport Administration, first and foremost, where they are looking into different types of strategies, of course, to uh, to, to uh, shift more cargo and as to see what, what are the main obstacles that, that uh, um, does not really support the shift to, to especially rail cargo uh, or rail transport. 
So I would say that uh, there are political ambitions, but it's not really set out exactly how it should be done. Uh, and then we, I, I know that we will get back to maybe a little bit more on the operating models and also who owns the different combined terminals in Sweden. But it's a lot of municipal uh, investment that, uh, that has been done in the Swedish um, uh, intermodal terminal network. Um, so it's very much run by the municipal uh, governments um, in respect of, of developing these type of uh, premises for for accepting more cargo for, for rail transport. So there's a strong incentive yeah, from, let's say, municipal point of, point of view, from the side of municipalities. But um, I'm wondering about, but you mentioned there's still a, just more or less like a willingness yeah, to, shift, uh, to shift the cargo. And uh, you're still facing with the obstacles. Uh, what kind of obstacles you mentioned for the, what kind of bottlenecks do you see for the development of combined transport in Sweden? I think we should look at it uh, from a historical point of view. Uh, as for many other countries in, in Europe, we had a almost state-owned uh, rail transport network in a, a few years ago uh, with a monopoly of, of the Swedish um, rail railways uh, it was then um, being um, uh, what's it called Com commercialized so we we let a lot of operators come into the swedish market we still had one dominant actor in green cargo um, so I, I would say that it's quite still a uh, immature um, market for intermodal transport we haven't really set up how the how can you get access to these type of services? It, it still uh, is a little bit of uh, workmanship to craftsmanship to, to actually book a transport by by rail in Sweden. So I think that there is a there is first and foremost a need to more communicate that there are actually both capacity in the rail network. Uh, there are terminals that are able to handle these type of cargoes. Um, so so I would say that. Uh, more dissemination on the fact that there is actually large opportunities and it's not as bad as many think when it comes to punctuality and the risk of uh, having uh, delayed transport if you use rail transport. So I would say that that is the first and foremost that we have seen, but we, we of course we can see that there are still economical aspects. It still is very cheap to, to buy a transport and it's very easy to buy a uh, truck transport from A to B, but if if we look at rail transportation or combined transportation, it's still a little bit of a hassle when it comes to booking because often you have to go through several different vendors or um, suppliers of these type of services. So we we also need to look into the the commercial side. How can the customers get a easier access and less administrative burdens when it comes to to uh, booking combined transport. Um, and of course, there is always this discussion in Sweden, and I think that that is also something that we can see in the rest of Europe when it comes to the um, uh, fees for actually using the infrastructure. And that is something that many of the partners of Closer, they are always getting back to the infrastructure fees, that it's a little bit too expensive to drive um, or, or book trains due to the different fees, not only the infrastructure fee, but also the terminal operating fees and those kind of things that, that adds on to the total cost of, of um, using combined transport in comparison with just having a pure long distance truck or with one bill coming your way. Um, th then there is, of course, planning also. We, we, we have quite a big infrastructure when it comes to railways in Sweden, but it's always a competition between um, passenger transport and, of course, goods transportation. Uh, so, I mean, how can we prioritize some of these goods um, transport by rail in comparison to, to, to uh, passenger transportation? Uh, not because mo most of the cargo, of course, it can it can be driven by night, but still there needs to be some slots during daytime as well 
to, to suit the needs of the industry. So, so there are some aspects when it comes to the planning of the access to the infrastructure as well. Mm-hmm. So the infrastructure issues are also crucial. Well, uh, it comes to my mind uh, the talk which we arranged with the uh, Roro ferry operator uh, on the Baltic Sea. He mentioned that uh, to develop combined transport chains in the Baltic Sea region is important to work on a coherent network of the um, ferries and also parallelly with the rail network and with the good availability and capacity of the rail. Uh, and he also mentioned the uh, Swedish coast and the accessibility uh, for the rail uh, from the ferry ports. Uh, so, so it seems that uh, his uh, your 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 point of view is quite similar to to the the things which he, which he said and which he, he mentioned. Yes, mm-hmm. um, I think I think one of the biggest or most crucial things that we can see in Sweden is that we we, we have quite a good uh, network of intermodal operations uh, when it comes to container transport, but still we are lacking um, really. What means robust system for intermodal transport type trailers, and I think that that is something that we can see for for many countries in Europe, and that of course that relates to inter-European transports or the import exports from Sweden to other countries uh, around the Baltic Sea, and I think that that is uh, also something that I, I think that many of the rural or ferry operators in the in the region also can see that, that there, there's still a lot of uh, rubber wheels coming and going from the ports. And uh, not so many steel wheels. Um, yeah. Uh, so the infrastructure, the line line infrastructure, let's say uh, the network. That's the first thing. And I would like to come back for a moment for the uh, terminals, which you mentioned that there are incentives from the municipality to develop the the infrastructure, and the, the, also the terminals. Uh, are there any barriers for the potential investors uh, to develop uh, own terminal in in Sweden? How it how the market of the intermodal terminal operators works in in Sweden? Are there owned uh, terminals or built by uh, let's say municipality and then uh, work on on a, on a rental basis? How how it looks in Sweden? Yeah, if we take the typical case, uh, I would say that the investment for a terminal, of course, it's it's quite huge, and someone needs to make, be, be, wants to be willing to take the risk, and that is why we can see a lot of uh, public financing, of course, to, to build up the infrastructure, especially when it comes to the connecting tracks to the main lines. Uh, that is a very laying down this the tracks uh, seems to be a very uh, huge investment, of course. So, and then if we compare to, for instance, Germany or Poland or, or any of the countries that is a little bit more densely populated in Europe, we can also see that, well, the investment can also be, be paid off a little bit faster than in Sweden, where we have quite a, a moderate volumes. So I would say that when it comes to, to, to investments, that is mainly public financing. Uh, in some cases, also of course, with with uh, European financing from from, for instance, TNT or something similar. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that is the main case. And of course, then they are putting up an operating model or something similar. So we have some specialized um, intermodal uh, terminal operators in Sweden that, uh, of course, makes good business and. Uh, also ha- has the potential of building up a network and i think that is a very crucial point also that that they uh, they can build upon the volumes from two or three or four terminals so that they can uh, together with the operators make sure that that we, we fill the trains in both ways so to speak um, and, um, and i can point out that that is the main issue that we have in sweden the imbalances of course between import and export we have a lot of imports uh, coming to the south, uh, and the, the export is, of course, with natural resources from the north. So the, as I would say that the, that is a very huge deficiency when it comes to the volumes and, of course, driving longer and mm-hmm. more trains on the, on the network. 
any uh, are there any ideas or plans how to work on the efficiency of the rail network when it comes about the imbalance of the exchange of the trade exchange between the countries on the south and the north of Sweden? Yeah, I think the common word is unitize cargo, and there has been a lot of uh, projects and, of course, initiatives also to to unitize, especially forestry produce, for instance, and they try to meet them in the in the midst of Sweden, where we we have a lot of uh, terminals south south uh, mid Sweden, um, and and try to make sure that the wagon load system, that is the most dominant system in Sweden. Um, meets the intermodal units and that we can make a shift so, so that we can actually make use of the import containers also for export. Uh, so I think there is still a lot of things to be done, but I know that many of the ports in Sweden, they are marketing this idea very heavily. And also, of course, the terminals that would like to, the intermodal terminals that would like to, to make sure that they have a better balance. So I think that is the most crucial because it's not like we don't have a balance in volumes in total, but it's the characteristics of the volumes that, that differs and what type of loading unit they, they are using, whether it's bulk or it's, if it's unitized cargo. I understand. Well, the, the issue of the unitizing uh, of the Swedish products, the forestry products, I think yes, that's the... Uh, big obstacle i suppose um tell me if i'm wrong but but i suppose that the the, the forestry products and the unitization of this uh, of these products would be a, a great and great obstacle to, to develop the combined uh, network in sweden yeah but the other aspects also to to resolve the problems of of uh, imbalances is of course to try to drive the in, in triangle uh, so, so that you can have a, a shorter um, leg where you don't have um, full cargo in the containers so that you can actually triangulate the, the, the traffic. And that is also something that has been, been tried out to try to seek export volumes. Yeah, uh, to triangulate the, the equipment, that's a great point as, as I see uh, in the practice uh, when it goes about the freight forwarding. Uh, everyone is trying to to let's say develop such uh, such technology and such solutions uh, to, to 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 let's say balance the uh, importance and exports yeah to, to gain their efficiency. So that's the great and interesting point. Uh, okay, but when we are talking about the efficiency and and the investments. Uh, which investment in Sweden in the scope of combined transport would you say that's the most important uh, for now, uh, which is in, uh, under the, the, the building and developing? Uh, are there any expectations after finishing such uh, such investment? I've heard about some new terminals in Gothenburg uh, for the short sea market. So maybe you should tell something more about there are quite a lot of investments, especially in the ports in Sweden, and uh, everyone is, of course, seeking uh, volumes of scale, uh, economics of, of scale, of course. Uh, but we have one predominant when it comes to international transport, and that is the port of Gothenburg, of course, uh, both uh, when it comes to the big uh, automotive industry in the, in the region, of course, a lot of import and export, but um, we, we have the main port uh, when it comes to especially container transportation. So, so there are now um, the construction ongoing for, for the, the new terminal. And I also heard that they will um, invest in a new intermodal terminal. We got a new terminal in a few years ago called Arkham, and that is predominantly for, for trailer uh, cargo. And we also, I think they have a 60% share of all the containers coming in and out of the uh, container terminal is uh, by rail. So, so that is a very good uh, development, of course. But I would say that the investments to, to actually find suitable ways of, of attracting more trailer cargo to, um, to the combined transport market, that is the most crucial, and I know that there have been investments both in Malmo and uh, in the in the other ports in, in southern Sweden. We also have a big investment 
outside just south of Stockholm called Norvik. It's a new port uh, that will be supplemented, uh, supplementing or, or actually they will close down the, the, the old port in, in the central parts of the, the city and it will be moved down south. And that will also be uh, substantial because we have the main consumer market, of course, is uh, the Stockholm region uh, and the larger terminal areas in, is in the close vicinity as well when it comes to distribution to, to not only Sweden but also Norway and Finland. So, so I think that coming a little bit closer, of course, um, with, with the, the, the vessels is a very good um, development, of course, but we need to make sure that not all of the cargo coming to the port will be driven by, by trucks. But we also hope that the investments in the rail infrastructure will be will be supporting more uh, a larger shift to, to rail. So, so there, there are, uh, I can't count all the different uh, investments that are being done and it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to follow them all, but, uh, but I think that it's very important that we, we concentrate because we have these distribution areas around the, between Stockholm and Gothenburg. And I know that there is a lot of investments in the infrastructure in the, those areas to make sure that more cargo is being sent by rail. Okay, so based on, uh, uh, on such investments, uh, which you mentioned, and it seems that it's Sweden is, uh, let's say, big construction plant for the combined transport for now. Um, I'm wondering uh, which combined transport lanes are the most promising uh, for Sweden based on your, your point of view? Uh, yeah. Which one you describe as the most important and promising? Yeah, as, uh, as I mentioned, of course, it's very important that we can sustain and develop, of course, the container um, container transports from the port of Gothenburg, because that is um, a huge portion of the imports to Sweden and the exports. So, so, but we still we, we we already now see that there is a positive development on that uh, lane and especially towards Stockholm. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other one, the most promising I would say is the one from, from the port of Trelleborg in the south of Sweden where most of the imports and exports to Europe is, is uh, arriving in the party. And we still see that there is a huge potential of actually attracting more cargo to, to, the, um, to combined transports. Mm -hmm. um, again, I can mention that we, we, we had a very interesting talks with the, the mobile cars that is important from the Czech Republic. They have a lot of uh, suppliers in the, the area and they, they managed to actually uh, send all the uh, imports from the Czech Republic up to Rostock and uh, taking it by train, uh, by, by ferry and then Unfortunately, they still haven't found the, the potential of actually driving the last leg from the port of Telborg up to Gothenburg. And it's a quite substantial volume. So it, it's driven by track in this, uh, at this moment. But, but that, that is one of the things that we are looking into to uh, try to find a suitable way of actually attracting these type of cargoes to, to be driven by train. So, so there is a huge potential. Mm -hmm. From the Polish point of view, it's quite interesting why the why the cargo from Czech Republic is moved via Rostock and via Germany, not <laughs> via Poland. <laughs> I, I, I will have a discussion with Paul because <laughs> or, or, or maybe just... the freight forward. <laughs> it, 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 it's on German. <laughs> uh, okay. Maybe that's why. <laughs> it, it might be the, the reason why, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, uh, it also comes to my mind the talk with the Aurora operator, and he said just one thing: it's it's all about infrastructure and ac the accessibility mm. to the to the yes. uh, rail network. So, yeah. so so yeah, let's let's base that is 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 the um, let's say a uh, core thing for the for the combined transport across Europe. So from Trelleborg to, 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 to Germany and then across whole Europe. Uh, what about the markets in the uh, Adriatic Sea? What about the lanes to, to Turkey? Uh, does the Sweden operator, Swedish operators, uh, considering those lanes uh, as, as a lot of, uh, let's say, Central Eastern Europe is expecting to growth of the 
cargo flow through, through those countries, uh, through those destinations? Of course, there are. There, there is an interest, of course, to, to, to try to develop it. And uh, also we can see this um, moving of, of uh, production from, from uh, East Asia back to Europe will also be it's like a trend that that also will affect, of course, uh, affect the, the Swedish market, and we can't bring back all the volumes and all the production to 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 Europe, and then not do some adjustments in how we are transporting, because especially the Adri Adriatic Sea and, and the eastern parts of Europe, we still I, I can't really see that we have built. The, the correct circumstances for, for actually driving more on combined transport. Mm -hmm. I would say Turkey, that is predominantly driven by short sea transport or short sea shipping. Um, mm -hmm. I know that there, that there are some links from Sweden down to Italy and to Spain and uh, um, but, um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not fully, I haven't really um, investigated or analyzed the, the, the Eastern Europe lanes, but I would say that it will be very crucial in the future to, to develop more combined transport to those countries in that area as well, of course. Yeah, uh, Christopher, what I uh, actually wanted to, to, to start to discuss the issue of the last mile and last leg of the combined transport in Sweden. Uh, as we know, a lot of new uh, outstanding technologies are launched or under tests in, in Sweden. Before we'll talk about the longer and heavier vehicles, which are, let's say, classic for the Swedish market, um, maybe you would uh, be able to, to provide us some current status of the tests of a uh, project called Volvo Vera or uh, other uh, trucks which, are, which can be moved uh, without the, the driver on board. Yes, exactly. So, so we have had, um, yeah. I think that that's quite obvious as we have two of main um, or larger truck manufacturers uh, located with their headquarters in Sweden, Volvo and, and, and Scania. So of course we are a big playground for these uh, companies when it comes to <laughs> trying out new technologies. Um, and I think we, we also have uh, perfect conditions for it because we can not only provide with that the test tracks and those kind of things, but we can also try it out in, in um, winter conditions. So I think that is why we, we have um, quite a lot of different tests, of course, of new technology. And when it comes to autonomous vehicles, I think that was uh, a few years ago, that was very much on the agenda for both, both these companies. And you mentioned the Vera concept. Uh -huh. uh, we also have the NXT concept of uh, Scania. Uh, we have the, uh, I would say it's a scale-up um, company called Invite in Sweden as well. It was um, um, started a few years ago. So, so they are all trying out different types of um, autonomous driving. Um, assisted program of uh, Closer called Drive Sweden is very much into the connected and autonomous um, vehicle and the transport system. So. I think that the, the technology is there. It's no problem of driving autonomous, but we need to put it into a context. Mm -hmm. um, and in that case, and I think that that was why it was a retake on the Vera concept, because we need to make sure where is it possible in the near future to actually drive autonomous. And we can see that firm, first and foremost, is it's within closed boundaries, of course, within a terminal that way you can drive these type of, of vehicles without having to, to change the legislation in, in such a dramatic, drastic way. Um, so we have had some tests with Invite on a Schenke terminal in the midst of Sweden. Uh, we can also see that we, we have tried out the platooning concepts to make sure that, uh, well, can we, can we actually <laughs> close the distance between two different uh, trucks? Uh, maybe also of pretty different uh, brands, of course, to make sure that there is a uh, interoperability between the different uh, track manufacturers. So, so I think that we have tried a lot of those things, but it all comes down to, to, the, to, to sharing data, uh, I would say, and make sure that 
we can actually see what are the benefits of, of driving autonomous, autonomous. Will it affect the efficiency of the transport system? And in, in such, what what is that effect that we can actually see from from providing more um, autonomous uh, components into the transport system? So, yeah, I think it's not such a big <laughs> buzz around the autonomous vehicles at this point. Uh, in, in Sweden, as it is for, for other types of investments and uh, uh, R&D investments from the big uh, truck manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Is there any incentive from the legal point of view? As, uh, as we know that the autonomous trucks will require some works on the legal, yeah? Mm, so is there any incentive or any plans to to, to, to rework the, the legal point of view for the, for, for the autonomous vehicles? Uh, I'm not so fully up to date on uh, how the legislation on this uh, subject. Uh, what I know is that, of course, we, we can we can do this um, yeah, within confined areas. We can drive these type of vehicles, but it's uh, I think it's 10 kilometers per hour. I mean, it's it's very slow um, speeds. Mm -hmm. um, so and also for the platooning concept, we have tried it on on both test tracks and I think in, in actual traffic environments as well. So, so that, that I think to, 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 for us to see fully autonomous vehicles and especially trucks on the, um, on the public infrastructure, I think we still have a few years to come. So between yeah, confined areas, I would say that that is the, in the near future. Um, I think there are other aspects of, of the autonomy, uh, yeah, the, or, to make certain parts of the autonomous uh, of the logistic systems to be autonomous, especially when it comes to loading and unloading um, operations, I, I think there are very much things to do in that that sense. I mean, in, in that field, instead of, of just looking at the autonomous vehicles on the roads, so I think that that is where we will see the first or the second or the third investments being made in the in um, especially when it comes to loading and unloading to make that more autonomous and there are some processes of course we, we have talked about uh, having driver assistance when it comes to docking these type of vehicles um, especially the the longer and heavier vehicles that i i, I know that we would like to discuss further on mm -hmm. because they are quite tricky to to um, to reverse especially as they are so long so if we could have some autonomous uh, assistance that would be of great importance, of course, to make it a little bit more time efficient and uh, safer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that's, that's also within confined areas. So, so we don't have a public. I understand. People. I, yeah. Uh, you mentioned also about the, the, the platooning technology, which is, uh, which is, and which was a couple of years ago, a point for, for discussion. Would it be uh would it be feasible to 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 run uh the platoon trucks in uh let's say on the market yeah in the in a business environment let's say uh what is the status of the of the platooning in in sweden now about the technology as i as uh, as, as long as i uh, heard that the technology is actually also ready yeah yes but is is the is there any uh, willingness from the business uh, from the business side to to arrange this technology as a as a standard uh, there is not so much talks about we have this sweden for platooning project where we try to to connect the different brands of trucks uh, so, so that was a project but it ended a a few months ago, uh, and you can see, uh, as you said, that the technology runs perfect. But the, the question that, uh, that has been raised is, of course, what, what are the benefits? Because we still need a driver in each of the driver camps. And that is the main issue that we, as many other countries in Europe, has, is on the driver shortage. Uh, and if we can't see that, we, we also have a legislation that, that says that the driver in the um, assisted truck can see that as a break when it comes to the driving, um, driving and, and, and resting our uh, legislation, then we don't really see what, what are the effects. And then, of course, it's, it's uh, about the, um, 
fuel efficiency. But as I understand, there has not been such a dramatic uh, reduction in fuel from the following truck as as um, yeah as was forecasted. So so yeah. It's not such a big bus around the platoon at this point in Sweden, I would say. Okay. So, uh, what do you think? What is the way to improve the efficiency of the, not only the trucking, uh, I still have in mind the last mile for combined transport. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the longer on heavier vehicles the best solution for now? I, I know that this is a quite... Uh, <laughs> Uh, in, uh, what we can say, a uh, sensitive topic in, in Europe, but we, we have to see, look, at, look upon the different conditions in the different countries. Mm-hmm. Sweden is a sparsely populated mm-hmm. country. We have a large freight flows, of course. We have a huge forestry industry. We have a huge mining industry. And um, uh, in that perspective, we have to see where does the transport start. And it's not at a factory, it's out in the woods, in the midst of the forest. And that is where we started up with the, uh, with the longer vehicles in Sweden, mm-hmm. because we need to find a more fuel efficient and uh, also to make sure that we have drivers enough to drive these, uh, these uh, vehicles. Um, to, to actually send the, the cargo to, to the uh, sawmills and the paper mills. So that, that is where, where it all started in Sweden. So we, we had some tests in, in Sweden uh, with longer vehicles. Uh, and then our neighbors in Finland, they uh, totally <laughs> uh, surpassed us in this sense and, and actually allowed longer vehicles in the whole uh, road infrastructure in the whole country. In Sweden, we are still a little bit reluctant on on the subject. We see that there is a huge potential, of course, but we still haven't got the political decisions on on, uh, allowing these longer vehicles. That is mainly due to the fact that we also have a functioning rail network in Sweden. We have uh, a built-up environment with several interval terminals. Uh, We have... um, quite good condition on the rail trans, uh, rail infrastructure. So we, we need to be careful, of course, when it comes to in, in implementing these longer and heavier, heavier vehicles. So in that sense, it, it, we can see a lot of benefits, of course, of, of using longer, especially longer vehicles to support intermodal transport in the sense that we can actually lower the cost of last mile and the first mile operations to, to uh, terminals. So, so that, that is the main focus from our part uh, when it comes to, to, to working with uh, LHV uh, trucks in, in Sweden at this point, to actually see what are the potentials actually of, of, of finding synergies between rail transport and, and the longer and heavy, heavier vehicles uh, to, to support intermodal tunnels. But that, that of course, that, that, that brings up the question, should we limit, an, limited, uh, limit the, the vehicles on specific roads, uh, road sections. Uh, should they only be allowed to drive to nearest uh, interval term? And uh, so, so, so th- those are the types of questions that we that, that are raised at this point in Sweden at this point. But mm-hmm. in fact, we can see huge potentials, of course, in lowering emissions and lowering the costs for first and far last mile transport. And that has been tested several times in Sweden. Yeah. So it's all about how the legislators would like to go forward with, with it, this question. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, are the trucks in Sweden, the longer trucks, are allowed 25 meters long? Yeah. Uh, 25, 25, yes. Yeah. And the maximum yeah. weight for the truck with the trailer is? Uh, now, nowadays it's 74 tons 74 on specific tons. road sections. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, but but the general is uh, 64 tons. When we're talking about the LHV trucks, you also mentioned the issue of the emission of uh, of the of the trucks, emission of the road traffic. 
let's let's take a short look on the uh, alternative propulsions and alternative fuels market. Mm-hmm. For now, uh, mostly in BSR in Europe is uh, the diesel. Yeah, the diesel diesel engines are the let's say base. Uh, but there are a lot of, of technologies which are uh, already launched or uh, close to, to, to launching on the on the commercial market. Um, as you mentioned, Sweden is the home for the biggest truck manufacturers. So uh, maybe you should describe shortly uh, how the how is what is the attitude uh, to alternative fuels uh, of the of the truck manufacturers. Yes. So we, it all started, of course, with trying to substitute the diesel uh, with, with something else. And um, as for many countries in, in Europe, uh, some, some gas-formed uh, fuel was uh, proposed. Um, so either whether it was natural gas or if it was biogas. We also had a lot of trucks running on RME and DME. Um, but there are some issues when it comes to colder climate when um, looking at these type of, of um, fuels. Um, we also had a, quite a lot of boost when it comes to HVO in Sweden. But uh, as we all know, it's not so sustainable as we would like to uh, have it, uh, especially as it's made of palm oil. So the latest bet, I would say, is that when, when, when talking to both Volvo and, and Scania, it's, of course, the potential of electrification um, together with some type of biofuels to make sure that the emissions are zero. Um, what we have in Sweden, of course, and what is also very crucial when we talk about electrification is that we almost have purely green energy produced in Sweden. Mm-hmm. We have some uh, uh, nuclear power plants, soon to be closed down, but in, in excess we have uh, wind and water power that that, um, that is supplied in the uh, electric grids. Uh, so we, we have seen a lot of development, of course, in the um, smaller uh, trucks, uh, up, up to three and a half tons. Mm-hmm. We also had uh, one of the first uh, vehicles from uh, Volvo driving uh, like a distribution truck. I think it was 16 tons or something like that. That was uh, driven in one of the products that were run for distribution to a uh, supermarket in 2016 in Sweden. So, so Volvo learned a lot uh, from that project and that also, of course, has been followed closely by Scania as well. So. So they go fully for uh, electric vehicles instead of having type of hybrid vehicles. Um, so what we are doing right now, and that is uh, another project we've been close, we are trying to do uh, large system de- demonstrations on um, regional trucks or electrified uh, regional trucks. We're, uh, I think right now it's uh, three or four different lanes or, or, or traits that are being tested out and we will go up to 200 vehicles in a short period to see whether these uh, trucks actually can uh, be fully integrated in, in the transport system. So, so there are good promises from, from uh, these tests that they are actually working for mm-hmm. the heavier trucks as well. The, the, the regional trucks you mean, yeah? Uh, or yeah. would there be uh, tractor units which would be suitable also for the combined transport market or kind of? Yeah, for sure. For sure. sure. Um, what, I, what I've learned without being an expert on electrification, but it's all about the battery size. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when looking at these electrified trucks, uh, it's all a, a trade-off between the cargo payload and, of course, the batteries. So if you would like to have a longer longer distance on the truck, you, of course, need to have a larger battery. And that, that, that of course, affects the payload of, of the That truck. limits the payload yeah. of the truck, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I would say that it, it, it would be very suitable to drive these back and forth to, to, to more terminals with um, the picking up and the, the distribution of... Uh, Intermodal units, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, there has also been these discussions on on specific lanes in Sweden to have e highways. Um, the discussion is still ongoing, of course, and it's uh, it's a political <laughs> proclamation that we should have it. But uh, 
yeah, it will be a race to the finish, whether it will be e-highways or if we, uh, if these investments actually can be um, uh, justified in comparison to, to actually have the, uh, some charging system uh, with charging, and charging pools uh, built up around the, 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 the larger infrastructure. Yeah, when we were starting the combined project, uh, I, as I remember, the highway in Sweden was in, the, let's say, pilot tests. Uh, yes. So, uh, what are the, the the key findings from that tests? You know the, the knowledge. Uh, how how uh, what was the the, the the say comments on 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 the pilots? Yeah, I I, I think that. We had one pilot lane in Sweden very very early, and it has been a, it was public finance, so of course they had to tear it down after the project was ended. Uh, that was uh, between a steel manufacturer and a port in just north of Stockholm. Um, that I think I haven't seen all the test results, but it showed good promises, of course. But you have to have a specific type of truck, of course, that has these. Um, this equipment on board to, to be able to, to connect to the lines or the, the, the grid. Um, then we had two pilot, uh, we have two pilot uh, sites in Sweden. They had not been invested in at this point, but what the big issue is, of course, to make sure that it's compatible with, with compatible so, so that you can actually drive the truck outside of the grid as well, because it's a huge investment, of course, to build these type of, uh, of uh, infrastructure, mm -hmm. so you need to have a high volume, of course, of transport uh, trucks on, on, on that specific lane to justify the investment. Um, so, and as I mentioned earlier, we are very sparsely populated, and in, in, in that sense, there aren't so many road sections in Sweden that could be a, a promise to, to build these grids. Uh, so, so, so that's the reason to why. I think that the vehicle manufacturers are looking into the charging system instead to be able to charge. Well, um, from I was wondering about the, the highway as the solution is uh, under the test on the two or three tracks in Germany now. Uh, I've heard that there is a perspective to, to, to run uh, another lane in Netherlands. Uh, so the question is, uh, if we have such uh, congested lanes, uh, traffic lanes in, in, in BSR to, 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 as you say, to justify such such big investment, yeah? I think the, the main point is to make sure that it's a standardized system so that you can actually have a, both be able to connect to the grid, but also be able to drive a, with, with a charge battery so, so that you have that mm -hmm. interoperability between the two different systems because I think that both of them are correct, but you have to look at the density of the of the traffic. Mm -hmm. say. So, so that might be as well as for autonomous vehicles that there are some specific places where you can actually do these type of investments, but you can't do it all across Sweden. That would be, uh, yeah, we have to call Bill Gates or Jeff <laughs> Bezos to, to get that that funding. Mm -hmm. So, so, so that, <laughs> that's the problem, of course. Yeah. Um, and then we, we can also discuss whether it should be tracks on these lanes or whether we should actually try to promote uh, having them shifted to, to rail. Mm -hmm. So it's all about that type of discussions. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to mention that not all these investments in, in, in new um, alternative fuels are for the electrification, of course. We, we can also see that there, there is a new joint venture between Daimler and, and Volvo when it comes to H2 or um, hydrogen. Mm -hmm. so, so that is the proposal for, for, for actually be able to, to charge um, or run the, the long distance transports as well. So, so that, that is also an area where we're mm -hmm. looking into to, to make sure that we can get some collaborations probably from that to, to test that um, because we know that hydrogen will come in the near future mm -hmm. and how whether it will be on in road transport or whether it will be on vessels. We don't know, but uh, <laughs> the future will, will bring more clarity into that. So it's still in, a, in its cradle when it, when it comes to that. 
can we assume that the future would be uh, for the last lack uh, fuels uh, would be kind of I don't know mixture between electricity maybe hydrogen maybe some biofuels uh, yeah mm, with the domination of the electricity I, I would say for, for the shorter distances I would say either you have a local source of biofuels. Uh, maybe biogas, mm-hmm. or if you have um, uh, electric, uh, electric, uh, electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. But I think for local distribution, that will be electric. Mm-hmm. I can't see anything else uh, because you have such a high density of uh, charging poles and those kind of things. So, so it's all about building up the, the, the supply uh, or the grid to be able to support this massive. Um, need for more effect in the, uh, in the uh, national power. Mm-hmm. And we could see that a few months ago in Sweden where we had uh, some cold days or weeks, I would say, that really affected the potential uh, of, of uh, making sure that everyone had the supply of, of electricity. So I think that is the main cloud on the horizon to, to be able to, to support that infrastructure investment. Mm-hmm. More and more things are being electrified. Especially in, yeah. in Sweden, so. True. Well, uh, Christopher, uh, I think that uh, that would be all of the cases that I want to to discuss with you today. Um, maybe you would like to to to, to add something, or uh, you think we have missed uh, any issue? No, I think that the, the the main conclusion from my side is that these type of projects, especially the combined product, is very important, of course. But we also need to make sure that that our market becomes one single market because uh, we can't have these uh, national dominances of, of different types of uh, transport operators. We need to make sure that we have better collaboration when it comes to, to building up these uh, intermodal transport chains. Um, and I think, I think making sure that we can market that there are actually functioning intermodal trains, but we need to make sure that to, to, to raise or, 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 or answer to all the concerns about intermodal transport mm-hmm. because it does work for those that actually were, uh, use it. So we need to convince the others. Yes, that's true. Let it, let it be the great summary of the today's uh, <laughs> talks. <laughs> no, uh, well, Christopher, uh, again, thank you very much for the yes. sharing the knowledge uh, for the discussion. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks that you found uh, find a moment to to to, to share the uh, share the knowledge with us. Thank you for having me to participate. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in. More conversations about combined transport are coming. The podcast is a part of the Combine project, which is co-financed by the European Regional Development Fund in the framework of the Interreg Baltic Sea Region 2014 to 2020.